0: Well,
1: the world has sure gone bloody, bloody, buddy Even downright cruddy, bloody, bloody We shall miss the past,
0: buddy buddy But there's still body buddy cat Gentlemen,
1: please welcome the founder and host of Buddycast, Nick Sorensen.
0: Welcome buddies to another episode of everybody's favorite show, Buddycast. I'm your host Nick Sorensen. Thank you mm-hmm. for joining us today. We have a special guest. A guest who's going to be in my hometown in just a very soon time, my comedian, author, Mark Schiff. How are you doing, Mark?
1: Okay, buddy. Hello, Nick. Hello, whatever the people call you. I'm going to call you the same thing, buddy. I'm, I'm going to go with buddy.
0: Sounds good. I've been called worse. So, you know, I
1: feel, I feel closer to you when I call you buddy.
0: Exactly. And that's the point of buddy cash. Two buddies just chatting on a show, you know,
1: that's right. That's right. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming to Erie. Uh, the, the night before I'm with you, I'm with uh, Seinfeld. Ooh. And, and then I'll be coming by myself to your town. Mm. No, actually, I'll be coming with Jerry. Right?
0: Really?
1: Yeah. Jerry and I are doing a show. Let me see. Let me get this right. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, I'll be doing a show in Erie um, with Jerry, but I'll be coming in earlier, so I'll uh, go and do the, uh, the bookstore.
0: Awesome.
1: You yes. didn't know that I was coming in with uh, Seinfeld? I did not. Oh, my God. You got to read the paper, my friend.
0: I have been out of I've been out of the media for a period of time now, just like I've taken like a media break and just taken a breather, you know?
1: Guns to not, no It's not true. Right You're in the media. You got a podcast. I know. You are the media. I know. You're the man.
0: I, I am the man. Still. We've heard
1: all the way about you all the way to New York City and Los Angeles. You're the man.
0: Oh, we're getting famous.
1: Okay, so. buddy. Yep. So,
0: buddy, I got to start out by asking... What led you into the journey of stand-up comedy?
1: Yeah. So when I was 12 years old, my parents took me to a nightclub. I'm an only child. And uh, my parents took me everywhere. They took me to uh, bar mitzvahs, weddings, funerals, everywhere they went. I went, uh, you know, as a little kid. So it was their anniversary. And what's better than take a 12-year-old with you on your anniversary, wedding anniversary, to a nightclub? Makes perfect sense. Yes, it did. I sat there, and there was a comedian named Rodney Dangerfield who opened the show. He was—he was the opening act. The man came out, slayed the audience, biggest laughs. I—I—I I, I never saw anything like this. It was like, uh, you know, Moses going up the mountain. To me, this was an epiphany. I saw Rodney, and I said, "That's it. I know what I want to do for a living. I want to be a stand-up comedian." And uh, I never looked back, never wavered from it. And then when I was about 16, I got my phony ID and I started going to clubs to watch comedians and uh, drinking Molson beer. And I asked a comedian, his name was Ed Bluestone. I was about 17. I said, how do I do this? How do I become a comedian? And he said, this is what you gotta do. You gotta write original material. You gotta memorize it. And you gotta go find a place to tell it to people that don't know you, because your parents will lie to you. Your sister, brother, mother, father, wife, girlfriend—they all lie. To they all tell you you're you. They don't know. You got to go in front of strangers. So I wrote material, and I started my journey doing stand-up comedy, and I've been doing it for over forty-five years. Wow! It took me about five years to earn my first twenty dollars. Mm.
0: And what did we- you? What did your parents think when you told them, hey, you're going to do stand-up comedy?
1: So when you're 12, 13, 14, and you tell your parents something, they think that, uh, you know, one day most boys want to be a cowboy, a fireman, you know. Uh, They didn't, you know, they just heard, you know, the the rantings of a lunatic, 12-year-old. But when I was about 17, I started doing it. Then they started uh, taking it serious. And my mother, um, this is the wrong thing to say to to a kid that's 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 trying his hit the road to his future hopefully she said you know it's a very hard profession which translated to me that it was too hard for me she didn't give me the you know mark you're a funny guy i give it a shot if that's what you want to do that's what a kid needs to hear when they want to start out on a road somewhere they need a little encouragement and i didn't get that but this is the secret to life. If you want something bad enough, don't worry about the encouragement. That'll come later. You encourage yourself to the best you can because you're not going to get it from outside sources. They're too busy. They, they, they think you're nuts. So any the only way to become a comedian is you got to really want it so bad and, it does, and look, look what happens when you first become a comedian and you bomb, constantly bombing in front of the the audience is spitting back in your face. That's not funny. But you keep going because inside you have a secret. You know that you got something that nobody knows yet. And one day it's going to come out.
0: Mm-hmm. And one day it's going to earn you. If you keep at it, if you keep doing it and you keep pursuing your passion, one day it's going to earn you things. It's going to earn you Places working with, you mentioned him, Rodney Dangerfield, Jerry Seinfeld. What's it like working with those? What was it like working with Rodney and what's it like working with Jerry?
1: So those are great questions, buddy. Um, I worked with almost everybody, Robin Williams, Jay Ooh. Leno, um, David Letterman. <clears throat> you name it. I've worked with a lot of these these people. Paul Reiser, I was on his TV show Um it's a, it's, it's a community and we work together. So I had the pleasure of becoming friends with Rodney Danger. Can you imagine that when you're 12, somebody changes your life and then you have a chance to become friends with them 15 or 20 years later? That, that's, that's amazing. So I became friends with Rodney. And Jerry and I started together at a place called the Comic Strip in New York. You know, Jerry is Seinfeld now. Mm -hmm. everybody knows him but at one time he was a waiter in a burger restaurant he sold jewelry on the street to make a couple of bucks he wasn't always Seinfeld from Seinfeld so we were friends early on when neither neither one of us could any doors were open to us and we've maintained a 45-year friendship wow so I've been on the road with him now for over 20 years and we fly from city to city and it's the greatest blast you can imagine in life.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a great Seinfeld story for us? Do you have something that you could share, like a memory that always sticks out to you with him?
1: So, uh, yeah, that's that's a great story too. It's um, Well, I'll tell you a story that encompassed a few people. Mm -hmm. Paul Reiser from Mad About You, the star and creator of Mad About You, Jerry, myself, Another great comedian, Larry Miller, who's been in over 50 movies, and a guy named Michael Hampton Kane. One New Year's Day, when we were first starting out, New Year's Eve, we were all out of work hanging out at the comic strip. Just out of work, guys, trying to become something. And we said, let's have lunch tomorrow, New Year's Day. And we met, we had lunch. We had such a good time that we all like did like one of those guy things where you put your hand in on top of each other, and you go let's do this every year for the rest of our lives. And we did it for 30 years in a row. Every new year's day, Jerry, Paul Reiser, Larry Miller, Mike Kane, and myself, we met for lunch. And it was an incredible experience to hang out with your friends, knowing that every new year's day, you're going to do that.
0: Wow. And you still do that to this day?
1: No, we stopped it now because we're all married now and we all got families and kids. And, uh, you know, the wives want to do things too. So, you know, the wife doesn't like when you go away for three days on New Year's Eve. Mm. They want to spend time with you. They married you. They want they they want to, you know. So, but with 30 years was a pretty good run. Don't you think, buddy?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that you kept it, it wasn't just some pony pack you guys made. Like, yeah, let's do this again. So, you know, sometimes. I'll tell you amazing.
1: another story. Yeah. One, one night, we always meet Jerry at his uh, room before we, we go to the theater. And uh, that's where we meet at whatever suite he's in. And there's another guy that travels with us. His name is Kevin Docterman. And he's the producer and uh, he, he, the road guy. He does everything to make sure the show's perfect. And he's incredible. So we go over to Jerry's room to pick him up and we see he's sitting on the table with his head down, sweating profusely. He had food poisoning. Ooh! And there's 3,000 people waiting. A half hour from then, we're supposed to start the show. 3,000 people sitting in a the theater. So we, So Kevin said to Jerry, "You sure you, you let's you want to cancel because you look terrible." No, I want to do it. I got to do it. So they said to me, "Okay, Mark, this is what you do. You go out on stage, and stay there until Jerry's ready." And that is a frightening moment. Could you imagine going out in front of three thousand people and not knowing if you're going to be there for fifteen minutes or forty-five minutes? And uh, I, <laughs> I went out there. And uh, I was out there for about 35 minutes. And then I got the signal that Jerry was ready. and He came out and did one of the best shows I've ever seen him do. Wow. He's, he's a consummate professional. That's what you got to be. Mm-hmm. The thing about stand-up comedians is. No, nobody's re- in a sense as a human being replaceable. But if I'm in Erie. And I don't want to go on. There's nobody else to do the show. So you have the it's called the show must go on. I
0: was just about to say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I get a phone call that afternoon, God forbid that somebody in my family died, I got to go on and then go home the next day, maybe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's what we do. It's like a fireman. A fireman can't go. Yeah, I'm tired. I don't want to go to this one. I, I got a headache. I'm not going to put the flames out here. No, you got to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's an incredible story. That reminded me of like Michael Jordan with like the flu game, you know? Sure. He just comes out and has one of the best one of the best gigs that you you said you've ever seen him do. Meanwhile, he's probably feeling like death's doorstep right now, you know?
1: So I used to work at a Broadway theater selling candy when I first started. I worked there with Gilbert Gottfried. Ooh. Um, yeah, Gilbert was one of my dearest friends in the world. And Katherine Hepburn, the great greatest one of the greatest actresses that ever lived, Katherine Hepburn, was in a play with Christopher Reeve, who eventually became Superman. Mm-hmm. And um, she had pneumonia. And she would go out on stage with like 102, 103 fever. And when she got off stage and took her temperature, it was normal. That's what the stage does to you sometimes. It, it overrides your mm-hmm. illness.
0: Take laughter is the best medicine. You know that? That's right. Laughter is the best medicine.
1: You know, they say when you are going to get married, women like to, one of the top things that women like about a guy is that he's funny. Mm-hmm. You ever hear that? I, I have it. a funny guy. Yeah, but you never see women marrying clowns, like in the yeah. circus, you know. But they like a funny guy. It's it's uh, it's good to have a sense of humor with everything. You need one, especially in a relationship, buddy. Mm-hmm. By you the way, you and I, you and I have similar shirts. Mine's a different color, but nice. we have we have uh we, we both have tablecloth shirts. These look yeah. like tablecloths from an Italian restaurant.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite shirts. It comes from one of our local stores called Peter James. And when you're in town. You'll have to check it out. It's a men's clothing store. Very, very good.
1: Yeah, good. I I, I will try to check it out. I'm looking forward to coming to Erie. I haven't been yeah. there in a while.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. You have an Erie appearance coming up here. You're going to be at one of my favorite bookstores called Warner Books. It's a, truly, it's a truly... They put the local in local bookstores. That's the way I can describe this place to you. You know, there's no like chain thing about it. Like there's no like, hey... Here's a bookstore that's like affiliated with some cafe that's doing this. That's, you know, selling. it's really just the eerie bookstore, the eerie, you know, sure. the local sure. small business.
1: I, well, I, I look forward to I love bookstores. I love the feel, the taste of books, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not really a digital book. I, I do read on my iPad, but <clears throat> this is what I like. Here's here's a copy of my book here. Mm. Solid, solid. Yeah, like of the books as well. Me too. Why not lessons on comedy, courage, and chutzpah? And we're going to be uh, having a little book thing there. I'm going to tell some stories from the book, and I'm going to meet with uh, the people there. And hopefully, people in town will come down and say hello to me. We'll tell some uh, stories about being on the road as a comedian. And uh, yeah, bookstores are disappearing. It's very sad to me.
0: It is. It's sad that it's all digital nowadays. Like like you, I'm like you. I like the di- I like the. I'd like nothing more than a nice evening, curled up on the couch, reading a hardback book, you know, not scrolling on my iPad to read what's happening next in this chapter, you know? Yeah, I
1: agree with you. I agree with you 100%. There's something uh, about it. I also am a um, underliner. Now, <laughs> you can do it with your iPad, but there's something about flipping through the pages, like, you know, when you have a book and and you, and you take it and you just – flip the pages and you can see where you underlined. Mm-hmm. you can't do that on iPad. you gotta like you know each one That's is it's, five, right ipads are great because listen i get on a plane i don't have to carry four pounds of five pounds of books with me but at the same time you know what it was it was like when record albums came out yes and you had the big picture and and the liner notes and they were they were works of art. Now and then they came into CD, and you, you you needed to have the eyes of a hawk to. <laughs> see. And now it's all gone with downloading. There's no more pictures, and there's no more liner notes.
0: I will say, vinyl's making a comeback. It is, a,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So tell us about your book. Tell us more about your book.
1: So it's called "Why Not?" Lessons on comedy, courage, and chutzpah. Chutzpah is 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 like courage. You know another. Word for courage, for cojones, you know, guts. It takes chutzpah to do something like. For, you know, when I was dating, for me to ask out the most, the prettiest girl in the class, out on a date. That's chutzpah, mm-hmm. because there's a good chance I'm getting turned down. So, um, so the book years ago. Uh, I got a phone call from the Jewish journal, which is a, uh, a newspaper in Los Angeles, very prominent newspaper. And the editor said, Mark, would you write a story for us? I, you know, we love your comedy and we have an idea for a story. Would you write it? And I thought about it a second. And you know what I said? I said, why not? And I wrote it. Then he said, you know, people like your story. Would you write another one? And I said, again, why not? And I kept saying, why not? And that's the name of my book. Why not? See, if I would have said no, thanks This book would not be here today. And I would have written these 60 stories. Sometimes in life, you have to step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. And you need to say, why not? Sure, I'll do it. When you get married, two words. I do changes your life. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you I do what, but it does change your life, you know? So um, why not has taken me, you know, it was the same thing with becoming a stand-up comedian. I thought about it. I said, why not? Give it a shot. Why not? You know, um, I go to a restaurant. I, I I try something that I've never had before on the menu. Why not? Why not? It's taken me a long way in life there, buddy.
0: That's your life saying, like, why not?
1: Yeah. So Seinfeld, again, he did the, uh, it's right there. He did the forward on the book, forward by Jerry Seinfeld. And on the back, we got comments by Paul Reiser, Colin Quinn, Kevin Nealon, the great author, Jonathan Kellerman an endless amount of people that praise the book. And if you go to Amazon, I go like 85, five stars. People loving this book. It's not just comedy. There's some very touching things in there about life and family and relationships. I also talk about how I lost 50 pounds. How'd you do that? uh, Very slowly. I, it took me a year. I did it about 10 years ago and I thank God I've been able to keep it off. So, I changed everything, buddy. I, uh, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I started exercising seven days a week. I became a vegetarian. Um, now I'm a vegan. I don't eat. I don't use hardly any oil, any sugar. And with the exercise and eating well, I've been able to maintain 50 pound loss. 50 pounds is a lot. People don't realize. You know, if you have, let's say, f- six chairs at your dining room table. They probably weigh 50 pounds. Each chair probably weighs about eight, 10. Let's say you have five chairs, 10 pounds each. Could you imagine strapping five chairs on your back and walking around with that every day? Exactly. That's what I, that's what I did with 50 pounds. I, I strapped on five chairs on my back or I strapped on five bowling balls around my waist and started walking around. Amazing, I didn't fall over and crack my head. Mm-hmm.
0: Most certainly. And how much hut fuck do you think it takes to get on stage and do stand up comedy, in your own opinion?
1: Yeah, it's, it, it, well, I can't speak for everybody. For me, it, it takes a lot of courage. Um, I've suffered with stage fright my whole life. So I'm a nervous performer. And you need a certain amount of nerves to be good, you know, to get you excited. But I've also had some stage fright and uh, insecurities. So it takes a tremendous amount of courage for me to step out there. As, as Jerry said, you better believe that what you have to say is more important than the 3,000 people have to say out there. Because otherwise, they're going to jump on you. You know, the difference between me and a guy like Seinfeld is when I go out, I get about 25 seconds to for them to go, I like this guy. Jerry, because of who he is, maybe gets a minute. But after that, if he doesn't have the goods or I don't have the goods, they're all over us. Wow. Yep. You're
0: absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's sometimes, you know, just even like things like I'm sure you've done open mics in your career.
1: Oh, God, that's all, that's all we did starting out. Yep. Years. Yeah. You've got you five
0: know. minutes to make this club owner like you, you know, that's and right. it's usually within the first minute that they go, okay, this kid's a buster. This kid is, this kid has potential. Yeah. This kid has something, you know.
1: That's right. And it's a blessing if somebody steps up early in your career and goes, you know, I I see a twinkle in this guy's eye. I think he might have something. One night I got off the stage at a place called the, uh, uh, what what, was it? I can't believe. Oh, the triple in Ye, ye old triple in. And the guy pulls me over the owner. He goes, listen, Mark, I gotta tell you, this was early on. He goes, you materialist crap and you have no personality. And you know what I did? I showed up the next day to work again. <laughs> because deep down, I said, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. The only way to become anything is really to want it more than anything else in the world. You you can't have a B plan. You know, yes. and that, that's what throws people off sometimes. You know, these somebody says they want to be a comedian, but they piddle in it and they just put their toe in it. It's not going to happen. You have to go full tilt jump off the highest diving board you got and and go head first right in.
0: No looking back, no turning back, go for it.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, maybe one day you go, well, maybe it didn't work out, but I gave it everything I had. And that's a great sense of satisfaction, buddy. Mm-hmm.
0: It's always better to have that, uh, to have that experience, even if it didn't go the way you planned it, rather than to have the what if on your mind all the time, you know?
1: Exactly. Perfectly said. Mm-hmm.
0: So you yourself actually have a podcast too. Am I correct?
1: You are a hundred percent correct. It's called you don't know shift. And um, <clears throat> I have a partner, little Benjamin and the podcast is on Apple and Spotify. It's all over the place. And we've had, <clears throat> it's kind of like yours. It's, it's, it's conversation. It's good conversation with, people that know what they're talking about. Um, And I've had some incredible, I just, we just taped Judd Apatow the other day. Uh, One of the great comedy directors ever in history. And we got Kevin Nealon and Paul Ryzen. I'm going to be taping Jerry soon. And we had uh, um, from uh, Larry David show. Uh, Why am I, why am I blocking it out now? What's her name? God, she's going to smack me in the face when she sees me. (laughs) Oh God.
0: Oh, what's your name? What's your name?
1: We'll get to it in a few minutes. Yeah. So'm um, I'm, I'm old and I'm blanking, so I apologize. No problem. So, yeah, so we've had some great people on and it's a one and then we do something called uh, talking shifts. Sometimes I don't have a guest on, and Lowell kind of interviews me about a subject and we riff on that the two of us and it's some very we just did one on restaurants and how funny restaurants are when you go in and with your family and with the kids throwing stuff all around. And, you know, so it's, 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 it's all good. You don't know shift. Hmm.
0: That's another good podcast. And you said we can find it on Apple, um,
1: Spotify, wherever podcast can be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is there. Do you use are anchor people, for distribution? Do what
0: do you use anchor for distribution?
1: No, we use, well, Riverside is what we tape on. And I don't think we use Anchor. In I'm kind of out of the uh, that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. My partner, Lil Benjamin, and Jennifer um, is uh, in charge of the, uh, the electronics of it. Mm-hmm. Like this morning with this headset and the uh, microphone, I, he set it up so I can just plug it in and talk to you. Because if I had to put all the wires in, uh, I would electrocute myself and you at the same time. <laughs> you'd be sitting there and your head would just blow off your shoulders with, uh, you know, sparks coming out of your ears.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> so, so on top of all this, you, like you said, you're an author. What really, you mentioned your inspiration to go into comedy. What inspired you to get this book out? What inspired you to finally say, this is what I'm doing. Like you said, the why not?
1: Book. Yeah. Great question again. So, I'd been writing for the uh, journal for a couple of years and then COVID hit. You remember COVID?
0: Oh, yeah. COVID is the reason this show started.
1: Right. COVID is the reason this book is here. So, COVID's, uh, you know, if my wife was 30 years younger, COVID would be responsible for another kid probably. So, um, I had a bunch of stories and I thought COVID hit. My work as a stand up comedian is now decimated. I I don't know if I'm going to go back on stage in six months, a year. And we all know it took over two and a half years to Mm -hmm. get audiences to start coming back. And they're back now like crazy. So I thought, I'm not going to eat, sit around for the next however long it is and get fat. And I'm not going to watch television because there's nothing on at night, let alone during the day. So I said, you know, just keep writing. And I, I wrote five, six hours a day, every day. And then I had about 60 stories. And wow. I, knew, I knew an agent in New York, Murray Weiss, a nice man. And I called him up. I said, Murray, I think I, I might have written a book. And he's a literary agent. And he said, uh, really? I said, yeah. I said, would you like to read it? And you know what he said to me, buddy? Why not? Why not? That's exactly it. He read the book. He said to me, I think you have a book here. Would you like me to try to uh, handle it with you? And you know what I said? Why not? Why not? And then he helped, he mentored me, putting the book together. And then uh, when the book was about ready, he calls me up and he goes, listen, I think it's ready to send out to publishers to see if we can get a deal. You want to do it? Why not? Why not? Sent it out. 37 rejections in a row. Boom, 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 boom. Just knock out one after another. And my family kept saying, you know, Mark, you only need one. You Mm -hmm. just need one. But it started getting thin. We started getting worried. And then Murray calls me and says, there's a company called Apollo Publishers in New York, a very reputable company, a small boutique company. And they're interested. You want to meet with them? Why not? Why not? We had a Zoom meeting. They said, let us think about it for a couple of days. Murray calls me and says, you know, they're interested. They'd like to make a deal. Why not? And you know what? Why not? So that's the story of the book. I got to work during COVID. I said, "To hell with everything! I'm turning myself into a serious writer, and because of that, I write every day now." Wow. Yeah, I'm 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 actually more focused now than I was when I was 25, 35, 45. You know, a lot of guys you when know, when you get older, a lot of people, it's just guys, they start getting fuzzy in the head. Not me. I'm I'm like. I just love sitting. I love sitting by myself in a room and writing. I don't like uh, working with a lot of people. Come, you'll find that about a lot of comedians. We're not very good in offices. We start a lot of trouble. <laughs> and we get fired a lot, or people go, There's something wrong with this guy. He's, he's nuts. So that's why we have to spend a lot of time alone, buddy.
0: You got it. Hey, it's that time alone, like you said, with the writing, with everything that you find some of your greatest ideas, you know?
1: thousand percent right you know it's um i don't know if you've done much writing but you seem like a deep guy you probably could pull out a lot of good stuff out of you out of yourself mm-hmm. the, the the feeling of sitting and with a blank piece of paper and typing away on your computer whatever however you do it and then something comes and you go wow it's 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 never not exciting
0: you're absolutely right i've dabbled in writing. I've tried to get out my book. I've tried to read, I've, you know, I've dabbled in like writing kids books. And you're right, when you have that aha moment, like wait a minute, what if I make the character do this? Or wait a minute, this was the funny, like I can change this life story into this lesson or something like that. You're absolutely right. And you just you run with it. It's like a, it's like going on a run. You just run with it.
1: Yeah. So what do you mean you've tried to get out your, your children's books?
0: I actually wrote, that's a funny story. I wrote one called just like you and i had it all written like i had the, it was kind of like a poem it was like hey just like you like kind of explaining because i have a form of dwarfism called hypochondroplasia translation mm-hmm. i'm a low person i so i'm trying to get i thought if i can get kids to understand that that person over there who's just a foot smaller than you is just like you hmm. that person over there who you know, walks different than you, who talks different than you, who, you know, looks different than you. They're just like you, just a little different, you know, they just do something differently than you do. If I can get them to, to understand that at an early age, that would be, that would make a lot of people's life so much more easier. Cause you know, I, I dabbled in stand up comedy too. I get my material, like you and me, we walk on the, we, we go for a walk when you're in Erie. Our goal is to make three jokes by the end of this walk, and we could walk infinite miles. You you have to like be observant, you have to look around, you have to think, you have to put yourself into it. Me, I could stand there like this. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you three jokes are driving by.
1: Right. Wow. So, I, I think you gotta run with that story.
0: <laughs> I did. The only issue is someone beat me to it.
1: No. Nobody beat you to your story. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. You have your own story, your own life. How many books have been write, written on love affairs? 20 million? Mm-hmm. More, you know? If, if you know, you say to yourself every time somebody has an idea a little before you, it doesn't matter. They did it, and now it's time for your idea. hmm Listen, I could have said when I'm a comedian, there's thousand comedians. What have I got new to say? No, I bring out who I am. You got to bring out who you are. You're a very unique, special person. And I don't mean special in a way of dwarfism. I mean special, your soul, who you are. You need to run with this story. I can feel it. I can sense the importance of it. And really? this is your story. This is who you are. And you have a message that's so personal to you that people will resonate with it. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I come to your area. I want to talk to you about it. We'll
0: do. We'll absolutely do. We'll have to get lunch or something or do something, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. I might even be able to hook you up with somebody who, um, who, Ooh. who does children's books.
0: Ooh, that'd be awesome.
1: At least you can have a conversation with them.
0: Yes. I would also, I'm also working on, um, I, by working on, I mean, I've started like the concept of it. Of like, kind of like a small detective group with different abilities, you know, called the alley buddies. So explaining how people can use their different abilities, whether it's claimed as a disability or it's claimed as, you know, different abilities to do what everyone else can and think differently or find different clues. Like, Hey, didn't you say this? Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought I heard something over here, you know, says the girl was super here, like super hearing. Sure. Things like that. So you got
1: great ideas. I want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have to talk to you. I'm also thinking about um, my own uh, autobiography called "Great Things, Small Packages" because that's been my life saying: "Great things come in small packages."
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. You, you, you've uh, you've dealt with this beautifully. Mm-hmm. You're a rich, deep guy.
0: Thank you. Thank,
1: Thank you. you. I'm I'm so thrilled I met you. I, I've learned a lot from you.
0: I'm thrilled to have you on the show. We're not done yet, but so I wanted to ask you a comedy question now. No, you were, you were,
1: just kidding.
0: <laughs> you were clean comedy. Um, what what benefits do you see in clean comedy versus like blue comedy, in your opinion?
1: So, another great question. I have nothing against people working what they call dirty, you know, cursing yeah. all the time and stuff like that. That that's. There's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose a path, just like Jerry, just like most of my friends early on, <clears throat> to work clean. Our The guys that we watched coming up, you know, and I say guys, I mean, Joan Rivers, all these people when we were coming up, and Phyllis Diller, and everybody were clean when I was growing up. Those were the people we, we saw early on, and you, you weren't allowed to curse on stage. You can go into Vegas and just curse your head off or you couldn't go to these clubs. People wouldn't stand for it. Um, so we've stuck it through and we knew that if we wanted to work, like do corporate work or go on television, there was no cable when we first started. There was no HBO and Showtime where you could say anything you want. There was NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, and that was it. And you couldn't go on NBC on the Johnny Carson or Jay Leno show and curse your head off. So th- th- that's it. And it's something very special about writing only clean jokes with no cursing and getting big laughs. You talk to a lot of people that go, it can't be done anymore. Yes, it can. And we're doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. I myself find myself leaning towards clean comedy, leaning towards.
1: Listen to Brian Regan. Mm hmm. Brian Regan's unbelievable. One of the cleanest comics that ever lived. Jerry, you know, any of these guys. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. All the guys growing up, Steve Martin and, you know, Billy Crystal and you name it.
0: All the legends.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm.
0: And those are, you've named some of my comedy idols throughout this entire show, like Robin, Steve, you know, they're not just idols because, oh, I saw them in a movie once and they were funny, but they're you know, there's something about them when they go on stage. It's like a light switch.
1: That's right. That's exactly it. That's a perfect way to say it. I went to Robin's fortieth birthday party with my wife, and he was such a sweet guy. It's so sad he died way too young. And um, off stage, he wasn't the manic, wild guy jumping around all. He was just a very quiet man sitting by himself. You know, talking mm-hmm. very quietly. What a wonderful guy he was. Most comedians, yeah. when you sit them down, they're just wonderful. Deep human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody have three more questions for you. Yes. So first off, what do you think of buddy cast here? What do you think of this show?
1: I love the name. I love the name and I, I love, I love the logo here. It's so friendly. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, in fact, the funny thing is, I don't know if you coordinated this. Your shirt matches the red and blue on Buddycast. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did you know? Did you know that going into this?
0: Did not. I just this picked out one of my favorite shirts
1: today. Okay. Can you see it now? What I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Same exact colors on your shirt are on the thing here. You're onto something, buddy. There we I'm go. I'm telling you, man. So I, I love it, and I, I love working with you. Um, you're a good guy, and I, I sense it. Thank you. I appreciate
0: that. So, buddy. The next question I have for you is brought to us by my buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy?
1: Hmm. So, to be somebody's buddy is that they know that they can count on you. In times of need, and there's always times of need in someone's life, they know that you could you'll be there if they ask. I have a friend. He has like no friends. I he's I'm his friend, but he doesn't live near me. And he has to go to the doctor for certain things. He had to get some sort of thing going on. He did not have anybody to take him there. He has no buddies. And he's afraid to ask people for help. That's not a good life. They, you wanna you wanna have friends that can the more people that count on you, the richer your life. Mm-hmm and i know that in time i just wrote a story about it by the way and i know that there are people that are my buddies and besides my my wife my three kids they'll do anything in the world for me um so that's what a buddy is somebody you can count on and somebody that lets you help them Mm -hmm.
0: you're absolutely right on that saying of the measuring a man's life by his friends. That's what Michael Caine says in a movie once, you know, if you need to know the measure of a man, you simply count his friends.
1: Yeah. And well, they, they yeah, that's true. And they also say, if you want to know what you're like, ask your, you know, see what your friends have to say about them. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like that saying a good friend, you know, a good friend will pick you up when you fall. A best friend will look at you and go, what much?
1: <laughs> yeah. You don't want to also wait for your funeral for people to say nice things. Bingo. And you don't want to wait for their funeral to say nice things about them. Mm-hmm. You want to say it now.
0: Exactly. When it really counts. Exactly. If you have good.
1: a friend and it's special to you and close. Like the other day, a friend of mine was helping me with something. I wrote him an email and I just said, listen, I just want to tell you what your friendship means to me. You're very special in my life. And I'm almost brought to tears thinking about how much you mean to me. Those wow. are important things to say to people. Mm-hmm.
0: You got that right. So, buddy, we've come to what's called the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for
1: this one? <laughs> You're too much. You're too much. <laughs> you are.
0: Hey, can't do a little. You I, can't love do this, so. I haven't
1: seen anybody do this in a long time. I love that <laughs> sound. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I bet you if I did that on stage in the right routine, if I end up some punchline with big laugh.
0: Yeah, you're giving me ideas. You're giving me ideas. I didn't tell okay. you.
1: Okay. Yeah. Tell me what you need.
0: So I'm gonna split this into two parts for you. Yes. The first part is what is your advice to anyone who dreams of doing stand-up comedy one day?
1: Don't wait. Do it. Like I said earlier in the thing, don't let don't take this dream to the graveyard. Do it. Do it now. Write some jokes. Write even, don't prejudge them. Just write stuff and go find a bar or somewhere where they have like, every every town has nights where just people get up and say something somewhere in your town. Go and do it. And even if you don't make a profession of it, which you may or may not, it doesn't matter. You're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna learn a tremendous amount about yourself. Nothing mm-hmm. better than learning.
0: You got that right. So you're the day you're not learning. Let me let me give one day. right? Yep. Exactly. The day you're not learning is the day you're not breathing. So, but the second part I had for you. What about your advice to anyone who wants to write a book? Who has a book on their mind and they just they need that motivation, that little push to get it out.
1: Right. Same advice. Do it. Carve out a little bit of time every day, even if it's, you start with 10 minutes a day and before you know it, it'll be 15 because you'll be excited. You're onto something. Then it'll be 20 minutes and just write it. And don't, don't, when I wrote this, I didn't think about getting it published. The whole idea was just because I needed to get this out of myself. So don't think of, don't have these grand ideas. I'm going to be a bestseller and millions. of No, just, just learn about yourself and write what's inside of you and try to write as honest and truthful as possible. And it doesn't have to be 300 pages. You write a short book, 60 pages, just get it out. Do it. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience.
0: Just do it. Absolutely. Love it. Well, buddy. Thank you for being a buddy with us on BuddyCast. Stick around for a minute. We'll chat for a minute afterwards.
1: And thank you, buddy. I've learned a lot from you and I really appreciate you taking the time and I look forward to hopefully seeing you in Erie, E-R-I-E, Pennsylvania on May 18th. 18th. Yep. We'll be at the bookstore. Right? We'll be at the bookstore that day around 12 o'clock.
0: Yep. We'll be at the bookstore. You can find the bookstore at 3514 uh, Liberty Street. Give him a call at 814-864-1565. Those are my buddies at Warner Books. One of the best bookstores in town. I tell you, buddy, the best.
1: Who's in, who's in charge here? Who am I gonna meet? His name is Kyle
0: Sherman. He was actually on an episode of Buddy Cast too. Kyle Sherman.
1: I love yeah. the name.
0: Did a fantastic job, did awesome. He's a great buddy of ours. We he supports everything in Buddy Cast. He's always there. He's always if I need, like I said, if I ever need a book, he's my book
1: supplier. What are you I reading have, now? Do you know you have anything you're reading now?
0: I am reading a book actually by Mister Rogers, one of my other favorite idols. Um, yeah. It's called The Good Neighbor.
1: Oh, nice! I read a book um, called, called "I'm Proud of You." You got to read this. You like to read Mister Rogers? Mm-hmm. You got to read "I'm Proud of You" because it's about a guy that Mister Rogers mentored and saved his life. Mr. Rogers saved this guy's life, and he wrote a book about it. It's called I'm Proud of You. That book changed my life.
0: Those three words can change anybody's life. It's four words. I'm proud proud of you. you. Four words, sorry.
1: All right. Yeah,
0: those four words can change somebody's life. You're absolutely right. We've actually had some Mr. Rogers characters on the show. We've had uh, Mr. McFeely and Officer Clemens on the show, and one of the producers. Wow. All of them told fantastic stories.
1: Fantastic. <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> All right. So, buddy, thank you for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. It was thank a- you for
1: being my newest buddy, buddy.
0: You got it. Hey, you've got a buddy in me. If anything you want to promote, anything you've got going on, you know who to talk to. On
1: markshift.com Don't forget. Mark yep. Schiff, S-C-H-I-F-F. Mark, M-A-R-K-S-C-H-I-F-F.com. MarkShift.com. And I got one favor to ask of you before we end. Yes. When I count to three, let's give it together. All right. Ready?
0: One, two, three. You (laughs) got it. I have a favor to ask you before we close out the show. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year, promise me you're going to go out and be someone's buddy.
1: I promise. On my own.
0: For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Mike Schiff. Please, May 18th, Erie, Pennsylvania. You know where to find him. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Everybody's Favorite Show. When the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them laugh. Buddy, buddy, for they've all gone fast. Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cat. Not could make everybody
1: here on Buddy cast.